What's the point? This is a series on the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, We opened up this series about four weeks ago. And uh, this book is actually a book that we've been talking about, the teaching team, the pastors here, we've been talking about uh, going through for a couple of years. And just through different series and different books that we wanted to tackle, we kind of just... It wasn't, it wasn't happening. Well, uh, about two months ago, we were looking at, um, obviously now over two months ago with COVID-19, we've obviously gone fully online for, for this season. And in that time, we were in a series called, What Do You Believe? We're talking about what do you believe about God, about Jesus. And, and, uh, and so, the, so COVID-19 kind of changed that. And, and so kind of moving into this summer, we were like, man, do we want to jump back into that series right now or, or what? And so we said, no, let's, let's go and let's do this, this series on the book of Ecclesiastes and, and in this time in, in the summer. And uh, so the odds <laughs> that we would be talking about politics and justice on this Sunday, in this season, I believe is God. I did not look back this week and say, hey, you know what would be a good conversation to have? Politics and justice. Did not. We've had this scheduled for a while. And so, so I want you to, to kind of know that because a lot of you might think, oh, we're talking about the hot topic, right? That's what we're doing. No, I, be, I believe that God knew that this was going to be a very, very hot topic. And it was something that we needed to talk about this week. Last week, Pastor Mike had talked about how there's a season, there's a time for, for a lot of different things in our life and, and there's time for unity and healing. And, and I, be, I believe last week we needed to hear that. We needed to talk about our heart condition in this season. And, and now I think we need to define some things. We need to talk about what, what is politics? What is justice? And what's the point of these things? And so again, in case you haven't seen the other weeks, the book of Ecclesiastes is written by what most people believe is King Solomon, David's son. He was king of Israel. And, and um, he wrote a book and he writes it where it's like a teacher instructing students or a preacher preaching to the church and, uh, and just a, a teaching, sharing his life experiences with people, and so each week is a different topic, it's a different uh, emphasis, and so today is about justice and politics. Now, I want to set up some some mindsets, some ground rules, if you will, for all of us. I wonder if today we could talk about these issues and um, and not do, and and talk about it without politicizing them. I wonder if we can hear words like politics and justice and oppression and all of these words and not attach it to a political party. Like, like let's hear these things and talk about these things through a biblical lens, okay? Not a Fox News lens, not a CNN lens. I think a lot of you would do well if you would turn off both of those for this season. It'd be really good. It's a detox. Like we got a detox from the stuff that we're hearing but not from those lenses. Let's, uh, let's not be Republican or Democrat. Can we do that? Can we not uh, uh, identify ourselves as those things for the next 40 minutes or so? Can we, can we do that? You know, let's back out of those things. Let's not, let's not see people as a certain color or a certain belief or a certain whatever. Let's see one another. Let's talk about humanity as people who are made in the image of God. Let's look at it from this much bigger standpoint. Because guys, we're in the year 2020. This, this world is a lot older than us. We're just one generation here, right? 
This thing has been going on for a long time. So let's zoom out from, from where we're at today, June 7th, 2020. Let's, let's zoom out and let's, let's see things from a, a greater angle. Many of us have these thoughts. We have these thoughts. I wanna make the world a better place, right? I think all of us at the end of our life, we wanna look back and we wanna say, you know what, in, in the circle of influence that I, I was in, I made the world a better place. I made a difference. We wanna create lasting change. We want our kids to have it better than we had it, right? I mean, that, that's like that generational blessing. We want to, to hand off something and say, man, look what we were able to accomplish. And I think that's great. A lot of people try different routes to accomplish this. Some people choose politics. I wanna give a shout out to all of our politicians out there who are listening. You, you've decided you wanna make a difference and you've jumped into the political system and said, that's how I'm gonna make a difference. I wanna create policy and, and, and bring people together and I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna help create change through different laws and, and all these things. And man, good luck, right? I would tell you, it's, it, is a, it is a tough system to be a part of, but some choose politics. They wanna be involved and, and make a change that, that way. But I, I think that, Christians in our culture have sort of adopted politics as a major agent of change, almost the main agent of change in both sides. I'll give you some, some ideas of what it might sound like, right? So, so this is how Christian politics might sound. America is going to receive God's judgment if we don't return to the faith of our founding fathers. The path to reaching that return is to elect the right people who will pass the right laws. And if we can elect the right people who will pass the right laws, then America would be blessed again, All right? Let's return back to what it was back a few hundred years ago. And others think America has never been this wonderful place of morality and freedom, but rather it's always been a corrupt, it's always been corrupt. And so we shouldn't return to a version of the past, but rather create a new future. You see the tension there, which lens you're looking at, what history books you read determines how you see what we're returning back to or what we're looking forward to. But a lot of Christians, it's like, man, that's how we're gonna make change. I wonder if Christians actually, actually believe that politics ultimately don't change the world in a lasting way, at least a good lasting way. It seems to me that a lot of Christians hope isn't really in Jesus, but rather in politics. Stay with me, all right? Stay with me today. By the way, can I say this? Would you please listen to the whole sermon today? <laughs> I know a lot of you are like, I don't like this, X out, you know, move on. Let's stay together on this. Let's, let's stay together as we talk through this. Some choose law enforcement or the judicial system. Right, they should, like, man, let's, I wanna make a change. I, I feel a call, like I talked to a man this past week, he's in, in our local police department and, and, and he's like, man, whenever I got the call to be interviewed to, to take that next step into being a police officer, he said, man, I went to my family, I went to God, I prayed, I said, Lord, if this is your will, I, I'm willing to do it. There was a, there was a responsibility that came upon him and, and he's doing it and it's a calling in his life. Some of you choose to step into law enforcement. Some of you, you're in the judicial system. You're judges and lawyers. And, and, and I, I wanna take a moment and I wanna honor our, our police officers and those who have said yes to stepping into these, these places of authority and places of responsibility. 
And I want you to know that we fully support you. As a church, we honor you and we thank you for every day you get up, you leave your family, and you go into a society where not everybody is on the same page and not everybody's on your side. And you put yourself in harm's way for the safety of our society. There's a lot of tension around police and officers and and how they're engaging with society. And we've said this a lot and you can go back and listen Wednesday night whenever we talked about it. Just because there's a few bad does not mean that everybody is bad, right? Just because there's some people who are corrupted and misuse certain parts of a system does not mean that everybody is in that same boat. What happens though is we have laws that are in place in our society. And those laws are theirs to, there to create order and to, say, uh, to create a safe place. I know for me, I'm really grateful that if somebody's breaking into my house or, or if something's going down that I can make a phone call and I know that there are some people on the way who are trained to, to engage in that situation much better than I can and, and to protect me and my family. And, and I'm grateful for that. And we never want to, to overcorrect. What I see right now in our society is there's an overcorrection for some people and we've got to maintain a middle ground in certain things. Do there need to be changes in certain places? Yeah, I could see that. Do we need to remove entire parts of our society in order to create that change? I, I don't see that. I think we've got, to, we've got to be stuck in the middle and we've got to see all angles, but we cannot begin to disrespect and dishonor those people who are laying their, li- their lives on the line every day. I've got friends, family who used to be police officers. I got friends who were judges and lawyers and, and great people with great hearts. They love Jesus and they're trying to make a difference. Some people choose social justice to get involved in in order to create change. They, people want to fight against the system in order, in order to see real change, right? I, I want to see change. And so I'm going to fight against the system. They work to help the poor and defenseless and disenfranchised. Some work hard to make a difference, but if, if we're really honest, in most cases, uh, they may make a difference, but, but over time, it's a little actual net gain. What, what's astonishing to me is that... Um, we may work to make a change in one area. Let, let's say it's sex trafficking, which is one of the most disgusting sins in humanity. What happens whenever people misuse people and kids, it's, it's disgusting. But what happens is we make, we make, uh, 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 you know, we, we pioneer and, and we make changes and, and, and it, all it does is kind of morph where that sin comes out at. Right, it's, it's, it's like we, we put pressure in one area and then it pops up in another. And, and what, what is that? Well, at the end of the day, guys, we, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. I think about the book of Romans where it says how men create new forms of evil. Isn't that sad? <laughs> we, we, we squelch you know, one form of evil and then mankind and its creative way creates another form of wickedness, another outlet for that wickedness and that sin. It's the world that we live in. Now, now I wanna tell you this, is that I don't believe that we should just sit idly by and let things just happen because we live in a broken world. Oh, well, you know what? It's gonna, it's gonna break anyway. Do you do that with your car? 
right? Like, well, I changed the oil. Eventually, I'm going to have to sell it anyway. Man, you, you just bought it. Like, it's a good vehicle. No, we maintain. It's the same thing. We maintain our relationships. We want to maintain unity. Just because we know things are broken and messed up does not mean that we are not involved. We should be. Now, Ecclesiastes is a different, it's different from a lot of other books in the Bible. Uh, other books intend to encourage concern and help for, uh, for the poor or for whatever's going on. And a lot of other books do this. Ecclesiastes intends to expose the meaningless of life in this fallen world. And so some of the things that I talk about today it, it might feel like it's coming from a different angle because it is, it's coming from the book of Ecclesiastes. So it's a little bit different. So today let's learn from the teacher in Ecclesiastes about how justice is impossible and politics are meaningless without Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 16. He says, and I saw something else under the sun on this earth in the place of judgment wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. The teacher says, I went, basically, I went to the court system. I went to, to where there should be a balance, where there should be justice. And he says, instead, I found wickedness. I found corruption. Where, there sh where the, the right is right and wrong is wrong, I found where people were making right wrong and wrong right. The point here is that justice is impossible without Jesus. Just means morally right and fair. This is not a political word, okay? It's not a political word. It's much bigger than, than politics. Don't let your political party hijack this word. If you're on one side of the aisle and you say justice, it means one thing. If you're on the other side, it means another. Let's look at what the word actually means. And let's more importantly, look at what the Bible says about justice. When justice becomes just a political word, the heart of God for those experiencing injustice gets drowned out. The conversation shuts down whenever it becomes a political talk. Now, I wanna share a video with you right now. And this video is like six minutes long, all right? I told you today might be a little bit longer day, all right? And I wanna share this video with you in order to help you see a a more of a, a biblical uh, a lens about the word justice, okay? Now, now again, we've all put our political parties aside for the, for the next you know, few minutes. So don't watch this video from a political standpoint. Watch it from a genuine human standpoint, realizing what's going on in the, the, the total world, the whole world, and also throughout history, okay? All the way back to the Bible days. So let's watch this video together. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. 
On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that. But we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use. But what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free. But he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice 
is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's pretty powerful, huh? Whenever we look at the subject of justice, I think all of our hearts go out and connect with these, these pictures and, and what's going on. I mean, you know, as Christians, don't we desire justice? Don't we desire that those who maybe are being taken advantage of uh, whether it be on a, a, a one-on-one personal, you know, personal standpoint or, or even a systematic, you know, systemic standpoint, doesn't that cause us to, to say, man, it's, it's just not right? And it, and it should. This is an ancient problem, injustice. You know, in Isaiah chapter five, verse 23, it says, uh, woe to those who acquit the guilty for a bribe, but deny justice to the innocent. You know, every time that I hear a story about someone who spent 10, 20, 30, whatever years in prison for a crime that they did not commit, man, I, I can't help but put myself in their shoes. And you know what I feel? I feel anger. I picture me being put in prison with my family right as they are right now and being in prison and not getting out for 10 years. And I think, oh my goodness, my, my two-year-old would be 12 my eight-year-old would be 18. My family, no, what would have changed I, my whole life would be ultimately really, maybe not destroyed, but definitely affected in a, in a very negative way. You know, like that's an injustice and that does something in us as it should. Why? We are outraged by injustice because we are made in the image of God who is just. He has put this deep in our hearts to desire life to be fair. You know, come on, all of us, at some point in our life, we have said, that's not fair. It's not fair. My kids say it, they say it all the time. It's not fair. Well, in this life, what is fair? What is fair? Because it's almost this unattainable thing, right? It, it's almost like justice, fairness is impossible. And that's why for the Christian we see things through the lens of the word of God. But how long is this gonna happen, right? Revelation 6 says, they called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? This angst in society, it's been around a long time and it will continue. 
until Jesus returns and sets things back right, until proper just judgment takes place. He goes on. Solomon, Solomon replies to this tension, verse 17. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. He looks to the end. He looks to, he looks to, the, to, to the future. And he says, at some point, God is gonna set all things back things back right. He's going to judge the living and the dead. He's going to judge the righteous and the unrighteous. The wicked ultimately will not get away with it, y'all. Okay? Those who are lawless, those who abuse the poor, those who abuse any human, those that do that, God's, the vengeance is the Lord's, right? The wicked will not prosper. Not when it's all said and done. But meanwhile, it seems like wickedness continues to prosper. It's a reality that we see. Verse 18 goes on. I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can go on and read some other verses after that. But, but ultimately, the big idea is that we're not much different than animals. People are like, we're so civilized. We're so civilized. I'm like, man, let's take away food in our country for three days. Just three days and let's see what happens. Everybody's gonna be going nuts. We just talk about like the possibility of a storm, right? And people go and just take all the food. I don't, have we recovered toilet paper wise in this country yet? I don't even know if we're still missing toilet paper because people are like, we? I saw people just a couple months ago tackled each other and yell at each other and punch each other over toilet paper with full bellies. Guys, look, we're just a couple of steps away from acting and treating one another like animals. I, I, I follow this Instagram page. I probably shouldn't say this, but it's called Nature is Metal. Don't look it up, especially if you love animals. Um, but what it does is it, it shows how, it shows the, the violence in nature. And, and whenever you watch, I mean, we just kind of saw it in the, in the show there with the panda. I think, I think the panda threw the baby panda. But anyway, um, we see where animals treat each other with, with just violence. They hate each other. And, and honestly, we see that we're not very much different than that. Let's go to chapter eight. I want to skip forward there. I want to see kind of how he displays this conversation, how he, how he uh, continues this conversation later on in the book. Verse 11, he says, when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. There's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. And by the way, meaningless, it's talking about like a vapor. It just kind of, it's there and then it's gone. It's, you can't quite, you know, put your hands on it. Something else that's meaningless. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. It's difficult to wrap our heads around. It's like a vapor, man. It's just, when justice is delayed, it can cause people to act in two ways. Some will do the same sin because they see someone succeeding and getting away with it, right? So they'll do the same thing. You might see it with kids at a young age, what teacher says, hey, don't go outside the fence. And all the kids are huddled right by the fence. 
waiting for the teacher to look away. And your rule breaker, guess what? He's the first one out. And he's going out and he's running out the fence. And guess what the other students do? They like, and then they follow, right? Because they see him get away with it. Why not me? There's that tendency in us. And, and what it looks like, looks like different things. If, you, if you're in a, a certain political system or if you're in a certain um, uh, job and people get away with breaking the law or, or maybe it's not the legal law like what we have, but it might be biblical law and you see them get away with it and they say something like, man, that's just the way it is. That's how you got to do it. Oh, okay. Some people react that way. And some will turn to anger and revenge to demand justice to demand it. Now, I think that we see these two things happening right now in our country. We, we, see that, we see where people see that some people are getting away with committing injustice. And so they, they see that some people are continuing to do that because nobody's coming in and, and call, calling people to be accountable. And so, so, so then there's, there's others who say, man, I'm gonna demand it in such a way that I'm going to then commit other injustices in order to defend another injustice. And that is not right. At any point where we have to break the law of God in order to defend or, or, or progress the law of man, we have to really look at that as Christians. I've watched so many videos this past week and I've seen people from different walks of life look at what's going on and share their opinions very, very um, openly. And it's nothing new. Hey guys, social media, right? It's, it's gasoline on a fire. But I've seen these videos where I, I've seen innocent people get beaten for trying to protect their own livelihood. I've seen other people try to say something and they get beaten Older people get shot in the street for really no good reason. And I think as, as a society, and especially as Christians, we should feel just as broken and outraged about those injustices as well. This is a very complicated, complicated season. And there's nothing that I'm gonna say right now that's gonna resolve that. I hope that's, <laughs> I hope that's not what you're thinking is gonna happen. But I think that we should be able to look at what's happening and clearly see where what this person is saying is, is accurate and is biblical and is good. And what this person is saying, okay, that, that's a different angle than that, but that's also a good point. And as Christians, we should also the whole time be saying, what does Jesus say about this? How would God, what is God's heart in the situation? I don't know that we do that very well, but I think that we can begin to do better with that. 
The next thing I wanna talk about is how politics are meaningless without Jesus. Now, the same system that creates order and makes decisions for a society can also be used to oppress. That's nothing new. That's not like a, just a today thing, okay? That's been around for a very, very long time. And I, I'm genuinely not trying to make this a political conversation today. I hope that throughout the way that I even speak about this, that, that maybe you won't even know which side of the aisle I'm on. That would be, that would be wonderful to me because this is much bigger than that. However, the, this is the Bible and this is a reality that was happening thousands of years ago. And uh, because it's the same verbiage that we are arguing about today in our society doesn't mean that I'm not gonna discuss it. I'm not gonna discuss it. Chapter four, verse one. Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was, uh, that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. Now, the teacher here who's saying this, he's seeing the plight of humanity, he's seeing both sides, he's seeing it all, and he's so broken by it that he is actually falling in to a place of hopelessness and possibly apathy, where it's like, you know what? It's so messed up that, that those who have already died, man, they've actually got it made. And you know what's actually better? Those who were never born, who never had to experience and see the brokenness of what's going on, they're actually better off than us who are alive right now. I feel that. I feel that tension in a lot of people, this, this place of... of um, Almost like, hey, it's never gonna change, so whatever. Almost this, this thing of just, just let it all go. And, and, and we as Christians, we can't become apathetic. We can't quit. We, we really can't say this. We can't say verse, verse two and three. We, we can't live life like that. But left to our own thoughts and experiences, we can be left in this place very easily very easily. When I look at all the things that are going on in the world, again, it breaks my heart and it can lead to hopelessness and apathy. It's very easy to get there. He goes on in verse, uh, chapter five, verse eight. He says, if you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, don't be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all the king himself profits from the fields. Sound familiar? It sounds, like, it sounds like conversations that everyone's having and arguing about. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. Greed has a way of infiltrating, has a way of undermining the hearts of men. And it's something that, that we should be aware of and that we really, unfortunately, shouldn't be surprised by. We shouldn't be surprised by it. It's a real situation. Greed has a way of infiltrating both the rich and the poor. 
the powerful and the oppressed. We fight to get what we want. And once we have it, we don't want to give it away. And we want more. That's the human way, right? Whatever I have, it's not good enough. I want more. And there's a lot of things, by the way, there's a lot of verses that I'm skipping over. I would encourage you to go and read. And he begins to open up these thoughts more and more. But, but there is injustice in the world. And so people are given authority to restrain evil and uphold good, right? The problem is that power corrupts. So those in authority often use their power for their own good and not for the good of the citizens. And as a result, we now completely distrust and reject authority. You ever watch those videos, guys, where somebody's trying to get like in a little canoe or like a kayak and like, like typically they're of the certain build that they should not be trying to get into a boat that small, right? They're like stepping off a pier or something like that. And it's like, you know what's gonna happen. America's Funniest Home Videos, we watch it every single week, right? Like you can, you can see those a dime a dozen and you know what's coming. What happens is they get in and it's like, oh, we're good, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden they, they go to take a step and the boat goes, Woof, right? And then they try to, to correct and then, Woof, and once that second thing happens, it's done, it's done. Now it's just, everything's over except the laughing, right? <laughs> They're gonna fall into that water, you know it. It's overcorrection, it's, it's out of balance. And so when people are given authority and power to enforce certain things, some, it corrupts them. It does not mean that the entire system is to be thrown away. It does mean that there is a lot of things that probably need to be maintained, possibly reformed, right? We've just got to be careful. Do we truly love our brothers and our sisters, no matter the side of the aisle, no matter their color of their skin? Do we truly love them? And are we open to hear what everybody has to say without getting up in arms and getting all upset, yelling at one another and, div and, and causing division? The tensions that Solomon, and I'm closing, I'm closing. The tension that Solomon is talking about and what we are seeing right now in our country leads us to a place where we wanna see change. I think we wanna see change. We wanna see things progress. These things cause us to cry out for someone to save us from this life. I don't know if you're like me, but when I talk like this and I go through conversations like this, it, it pushes me in a direction where I'm like, okay, so now what, how, like what? <laughs> where is the hope? And I believe just like we talked about in week one, the, 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 the impossibility for us to be satisfied in this life drives us to something that will ultimately satisfy us. And I believe that to be Jesus. So when it comes to justice and politics and all of these things that are going on, I believe that the, the impossibility of justice, the meaninglessness of politics, like the vapor of it, the, the, the inconsistency of it, the corruption that we see happen generation after generation, I believe that that drives us to say, who is a righteous leader? Is there a righteous leader? Is there anyone that can grab the reins of society and guide us in to true freedom, into true unity? And I will say this, there is not one human being on the face of the planet that has been or will be who can actually really do that other than Jesus Christ himself. 
all roads lead back to our need for a righteous king, and he is that king. He did not come to establish an earthly kingdom. He did not come to be a certain president or a certain king or a certain leader. He came to be our savior and our redeemer to fix the brokenness of sin that we actually deal with much more than the political things or all the things that we're seeing. He actually came for a higher reason that does not negate, again, our need to be involved and to create change and to love people well and to be involved in the issues but at the, at the end of the day, we have a higher calling. We are not of this world. Our longing for a righteous political leader who sets things right is a longing for King Jesus, where in his kingdom there is no oppression, there's no inequality, and a lot of the conversations that we're having today, we will not have in eternity. I want to read this together. This is uh, taken from a commentary on the book of Ecclesiastes. And it says, building a nation on God's laws will not change America any more than it changed ancient Israel because laws do not change the human heart. Only Jesus can do that. We live in a world of oppression and injustice and only the gospel can change things. After all, as the Christmas song reminds us, in his name, all oppression shall cease. That's just not an American thing, by the way. It's the world. All oppression on the planet will cease. Isn't that what we all want as Christians? Don't we all want to see all oppression cease? I would, I would say that there's not a human being watching right now that would say, no, I, I like oppression. I wonder if you can think that thought, though, and not politicize it. We need a savior. But thank God for Jesus, right? Thank God for sending a son to restore the brokenness. Maybe not in every way right now that we see. But the big point is this. Jesus has broken all of these patterns of sin and he gives us a new way to live. He empowers us to follow him and obey. And ultimately we're his. So we live a life of empathy and compassion and love and forgiveness and unity in the spirit. That's what we're called to do. I could go on and on and on. And for some of you, I've gone on and on and on. And you're like, let's wrap this up. For others of you, you have a lot of what feels like loose ends in your heart right now a lot of loose ends. You feel a tension of, of seeing and understanding what's going on, but at the same time, having an angst in you of how am I supposed to be involved? Again, going back to the beginning of the message, we all want to create a better world, right? We want to create change. We want, to, we want things that are, are wrong to be right. Justice is in our hearts. Where we may not see eye to eye on or where we may think that we don't see eye to eye on is how to do it, is how to create that change. I could tell you this though, if you don't see the problems, you won't think that there needs to be a solution. If you don't think there's a problem, then you don't think there needs to be any solutions. But whenever somebody that I love says there's a problem, 
I give them the time of day to say, hey, maybe there is a problem, right? Church, I love Northwood Church. I love every leader. I love every, every, every person that, 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 that is a part of the church. And I really wanna see unity. I shared this Wednesday night, but in 1989, my dad came here. I was four years old at the time. He came to, to lead Northwood Church and God gave him two words, radical and unity. And unity has been a word that I cannot get away from. Pastor Mike, years ago, there was a question that we were talking about and, and the question was, what do you feel is the, the biggest battles that we face, the, the, the biggest spiritual battles? And he said this, he said, I believe, this is years ago, he said, I believe the greatest two battles that we have to fight is religion and racism. And you know, there was a part of me that said, man, we've, bro, we're, we're on the other side of that. And I don't think we are. I don't think we are. There, this, 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 there's a deep-rooted anger, misunderstanding on all different sides. And we're called to bring it together. And so in Northwood Church, again, I wanna say it today because I know a lot of you didn't see Wednesday night. We're not a white church. Just because I'm white doesn't make us a white church, all right? We're not a black church. We're not a Republican church. We're not a Democrat church, right? We're the body of Christ. We are called out of darkness into light. And as we are found in Christ, we are one. And I want to choose to remain one. Here's the deal. In unity, there is still diversity. This is not gonna be a church where every single person sees every issue from the same exact angle. I'm not expecting that. What I do expect is us to lead in love, to be compassionate, to show empathy, to forgive, to not allow bitterness to take root in our hearts, to have tact, to have respect and honor and dignity, to value others above ourselves, to love God and to love people. I think those are good goals to have. So I hope that all of you agree with that. And I hope that all of us can come together in this time, right? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace, your forgiveness. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that was poured out for our sin. God, right now, we pray for our nation. We pray for healing. God, we pray that you would begin to do a great deep work in our hearts as a nation. God, we're, we're, there, are, there are sins that have been committed in our history that maybe have not been dealt with. And Lord, it continues to come up over and over and over and and God, let us not deflect the conversation. Let us not remain silent. God, let us not speak out though with ill motives. 
or wrong intentions. Let us grit our teeth. Let us know when to be quiet. Let us know when just to stand and let us know when to speak. God, would you lead us, your people, in the ways of righteousness, in ways of holiness, to be bold about the gospel, to be meek, to be as harmless as doves and and as intellectual and knowledgeable and, and, and see what's going on, be cunning as a serpent. God, let us hold both intention. God, let Northwood Church always be known as a place where people from different backgrounds and denominations can actually come together and worship an almighty God. Lord, we ask that. We repent, all of us, from having thoughts and feelings and attitudes that don't reflect your heart. We are not perfect. We are broken, but God, you sent Jesus, who was perfect, to die for our sin, to redeem us. So God, we pray that you would cleanse our minds and cleanse our hearts. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. And we're going to sing some of this song again, Graves into Gardens. And if you're struggling with some things right now, you might be in your car, you might be at your house, at your family. If you're struggling with some things, this might be a time as we sing this to pray your own prayer. Some of you are far from God. You don't know Jesus. But today you say, man, I believe in the gospel. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. This would be an incredible time for you to surrender your heart, submit your life to him. Let's sing this together. Oh, there's nothing better than you Oh, there's nothing better than you Oh, there's nothing, nothing is better than you Come on, sing it again Oh, there's nothing better than you
everything that was spoken today. We trust you. We believe in you. God, I pray that this week, that God, you would truly make gardens out of graves. God, where there are seas, where we can't see left or right, that you would create a highway. Just like you did for the children of Israel, you made their path straight. God, we need you to make our path straight this week, Father. God, let us bring unity to our community. God, let us be lights in dark places. Even on social media, in our conversations, our text conversations, let us come together. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing I want to tell you. This week, and especially over the last couple of weeks, I have had a plethora of conversations. Text, phone calls, you name it. And I want to tell you something. I've talked to people on both sides of the aisles, different backgrounds, and I tell you this, every person I talked to, their hearts were pure. Their intentions and their motives were pure. And so this week, as you engage in conversations, I want you to remember that. Especially if they're a believer, let me tell you something. If they, if they love Jesus, they love people, their motives are pure. And I want you to approach every conversation with that heart, and you'll see that you'll, you'll, you will feel an openness. You will feel a, a cleansing in your heart of in your motives towards people. Because that's what I truly believe. That's what I choose to believe, at, at least, right? Is that believers are, we're all moving in the same direction. So I love you. I hope that today was, a, was an encouraging day for you. And uh, I believe that we've got some people that want to kind of continue this conversation with you, especially if you're new here, you made a decision to follow Jesus today, or, or also if you're interested in a small groups, we've, on, we've only got maybe uh, one or two weeks left of small groups, but, but maybe you want to jump into a conversation over the next couple of weeks, this would be a great time to do it. Uh, but other than that, y'all stay safe. Come on, we got torrential downpours. I don't even know, is it, is it still raining? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, right? Y'all stay safe. We love y'all. Uh, go ahead and turn it over to Amber and Victor. Up, guys? What's going on? Welcome back, everybody. What an incredible message wow. from Pastor Jordan. Wow. Holy cow. That was the worship amazing. was incredible. Yep. The message was incredible. Yep. Oh my gosh. Like, so, I, I had chills. Like, I was telling Amber that earlier. I, I had chills so a good. ton of times during the service. So, yeah. that's just, we witnessed literally God using Pastor Jordan as Absolutely. his vessel. Yeah. And that was phenomenal. Absolutely. So, but look, uh, like always, you know, we, we come on here and we, we want to give you next steps, you know. So if you either made a decision to follow Christ or this was your first time here tuning in with us on Northwood Church, we want to be able to connect with you, kind of like what we talked about earlier this morning. The way we do that is through northwood.church slash next steps. Uh, like I said earlier, we're, what we're going to be able to do is get some of your info on there. One of our pastors is going to reach out to you and just kind of continue the conversation with you. Not just the conversation that we had this morning, but, you know, just what Northwood looks like, what unity looks like, what church looks like, what small groups looks like. Because, you know, that's how we get plugged in, right? Yeah. Talking about small groups. If you're not in a small group, you can totally join one. Yeah. Northwood.church slash small groups. Um, and you can jump in any group, anytime that yeah. is perfect for you any day you yeah. know um there's zoom there's like facebook not live, zoom not, i don't know but facebook you <laughs> know in person, people doing that. you know people there's FaceTime, yeah facetime WhatsApp. there's students young adults yeah. and everything in between prime time mm-hmm. and just regular old yeah. adults so like i say every week don't do life alone you know yeah. uh, especially during these times you know pastor yeah. jordan was talking about a unity in the spirit yep. small groups is a great place to start with that absolutely uh, it's a safe environment it's a safe place to be able to explore you know what god talks about For in sure. unity um, and we're going to be doing that at least with impact tonight yeah you yep. know we're doing that in our small groups um throughout the week 
we're going to be uh, diving a little deeper into, yeah. you know, what we're talking about. So definitely plug into a small group. Don't do life alone. You know, be united. Find somebody. Have you someone know. to lean on. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> But um, look, you guys, we want you to make sure you're staying safe, yeah. of course, during this tropical storm. Yep. You know, make sure you're staying inside, not Being getting safe. wet. Yep. You don't know. go out on the roads, I mean, people. if you want to, go ahead and run in the rain. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But don't you do know, that. Just don't do that. So. <laughs> but yeah. Look, so we're about to get out of here. Um, yeah. We love y'all. We, we love, love our guys. pastors. Yes. Show our pastors so some good. love. Again, share this message share this. again. Yeah. You know, this was so amazing. Share, share, share. And, yeah. you know. Try to spread some love. Spread some love and go <laughs> back to Wednesday's uh, Unity. service you yeah. know, and, and listen to what Pastor Jordan had to talk about Wednesday night and then Absolutely. tonight. Yeah. And look, make sure you share the hashtag Unity. Yeah. Share when you that share this, the week. When you share this um, stream here, hashtag Unity. Hashtag Unity. Hashtag We're unity. all in this together. Absolutely. We love y'all. <laughs> Can't wait till next week. That's it. That's it. We'll see y'all next Let's week. Let's do this. <laughs> all right. Later, y'all. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>